Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Pastor Amanda Goldbeck. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. God, our maker, father, and friend, we ask that you fill each of us now with your spirit so that we can understand and act on these words. Come to us, both as individuals and as a church, to give us a better glimpse of your unimaginable love so that we can experience and share that love with a broken world. Amen. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, the twelve apostles were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy." And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Let us pray. 
Holy God, may your spirit fall afresh on each of us this day. May your word stir in us and be heard in a new and inspiring way. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you, O Lord. Amen. So I, I've been thinking a lot about call lately. What is my call? What is my call at this church? What is our call as a community of faith? What is our call as Christians in our broader world? As a minister in the Presbyterian Church, when you search for a church to work at or serve at, you don't search for a job. You aren't searching for a ministry. Instead, you look for a call. There's a system even where you, you churches and ministry groups, they, they, put their, they submit a form that describes their church and their ministry and what they are looking for. And then similarly, pastors submit their own form explaining what they're looking for, what their gifts are, their previous experience. The whole process is meant to be both practical and yet inspired by the Holy Spirit. The call process is designed with the intention that both the church and the pastor will engage in it without any preconceived notions, but will be open to where the Spirit might lead either party in the midst of the process. It is for this very reason that the Presbyterian church body is intentional about using call language opposed to job search. The idea that the spirit is in the middle of all of this and we can't know from the beginning where it might lead. And as a pastor, I might see a church and see what they're looking for and believe that it is the perfect job for me, but in the process discover it's not the right call for me. And equally, a church might think they have picked out the perfect candidate when actually there isn't a call there. Now, I've served a handful of churches, and every time I have found myself searching for a call, I have wished that God would send me a bright flashing sign that said, go here. This is where I am calling you. Unfortunately, each and every time, the path to discerning God's call has been considerably more complicated. In our scripture today, we encounter the apostles in a unique season of discernment of call themselves. They are gathered in the upper room, very similar, if not the same one, that they gathered on in, on Monday, Thursday. And they have seen Jesus ascend to the Father, and they are left waiting, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. They don't know what this this spirit will look like or what it'll feel like. All they know is that the story that has defied all their understandings and expectations from the day Jesus appeared and called them and did miracles and then was crucified and yet walked out of the tomb, the story that includes Jesus visiting them alive and well after having taken his last breath, 
just keeps going, calling them into that which they never expected or could have guessed. So they wait in an upper room, and then it happens. Wind, tongues of fire. The beginning of the service, we had rain. Maybe that was our Holy Spirit for the day. Arguably one of the most dramatic stories in the New Testament unfolds. Now, I have to say, I I do think it is a little unfortunate that we don't reenact this text the same way that we do the nativity story. Can you imagine unleashing a bunch of four and five-year-olds to reenact the coming of wind and fire? In some respect, I would say the very nature of a child is God's eternal reminder of the character of the Holy Spirit. Children buzz with such energy and excitement and interest. They also serve as a force of constant momentum, constant movement. And most importantly, they often chatter like there is no tomorrow. Hurting a bunch of meowing cats has got nothing on trying to corral a bunch of toddlers, which is why I have complete respect for childcare workers and teachers of young children. As the Bible tells it, out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit descends. And we know where the story goes from there. Suddenly the waiting is over. Suddenly the apostles are inspired and equipped and we hear in the verses that follow that they begin the work of breaking bread and prayer and selling their possessions to help those in need. The body of Christ once again takes shape on earth. The body of Christ, which is now the church, begins to have resurrected flesh and bones. Fast forward to May 2021 in Evanston, Illinois, and the ripple effects of that first Pentecost are present as we join together as the body of Christ on this Pentecost Sunday. In some respect, the more interesting part of this story may be what happened after that first Pentecost. It would have been pretty hard for the apostles to ignore the wind and the fire and the linguistic hubbub brought on by the Holy Spirit. In the days, weeks, months, and years following that first Pentecost, the apostles took what they experienced and continued to follow and discern the call of the Holy Spirit. Even after the Spirit became a little more covert in its appearance. It is easy for us to lose sight of the Holy Spirit to even wonder if it's still blowing through our lives, through our congregation, or through our world. It doesn't seem to come in the grandiose terms that we hear witness to in our scripture today, which makes it harder to be sure it's still floating around. In order to know what we are looking for, though, it seems we need to first know what it is that the Holy Spirit brought and put into motion on that first Pentecost, the Holy Spirit didn't just bring transformation and change to the the apostles and those surrounding them in the crowd. The change that happened was a means to an end. We hear Peter proclaim, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be God declares 
that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall have dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. The Holy Spirit gives them a vision and a word that has the power to overcome all the brokenness of this world. Homiletics professor Tom Long remarks, Did you notice what happened to the church when the Spirit was given? It stood up and it spoke. It moved from silence to language. It talked and the whole world heard the good news in its own language. Often, I think we tend to conflate the Holy Spirit with change. As though the only characteristic and goal of the Holy Spirit is to bring change for change's sake, to stir things up just because. And as Presbyterians, we're, we're not so keen on change and stirring things up. We like things decently and in order. What the Pentecost story reveals is that the Holy Spirit wasn't given to the apostles and ultimately to us, in order that we might find ourselves perpetually unsettled, the Holy Spirit is God's continued prodding to keep us speaking and visioning, to help us keep going, to keep seeking those who need to hear and see God's vision for the world, to reach out to all with the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ. This prodding by the Holy Spirit takes on many different forms, and just as on that first Pentecost, requires us to be open to speaking in languages and thinking in ways that might be very different to what we've expected, perhaps to be driven in directions that we can't always precisely make out. So what is the Holy Spirit like? I think this might help. The Holy Spirit is like a goose, a big old wild goose. And let me tell you a story about how I realized this. I am one of those people that generally tends to know what they like and know what they don't like. Now, it is great to have this level of clarity and self-assuredness up until the point I am pushed into accepting that I actually may like something I previously vehemently protested. It is interesting how the winds of time can change us and call us towards new and different things. The pandemic seemed to be a catalyst for many experiences like this. It forced us all to embrace things we had previously rejected and it pushed us to let go of other things that we thought we couldn't possibly live without. For me, this took on the form of embracing the world of video games. Now just stick with me here. Now before the pandemic, I couldn't stand video games. I didn't understand them. I thought they were a waste of time. I thought they were an expensive way to rot your brain. Plus, I never had the patience for figuring out all the controls and setting up all the accounts. In the midst of the pandemic, 
my husband and I started playing different podcasts in the background to help pass the time. One of the podcasts Henry liked to put on was a video game podcast where a group of guys would be all talking about reviewing video games they had played. Now at first I couldn't stand it. Video games were bad enough. Having to listen to people talk about playing video games was even worse. But as time went on, I began to little by little listen in on the podcast and catch bits here and there of what they were talking about. And then one day, they were talking about a game called the Untitled Goose Game. Now Henry was bugging me to try a video game, any video game. And when I heard them talk about this game, something called to me. Now the whole premise of the game is that you are a goose who is trying to do a variety of tasks in a small town and not everyone is happy that the goose is running around and getting into things. You're really there to try to annoy this farmer. That's it. The game is all about being a troublesome goose. This was a game made for me. Now, I bring this up because today is Pentecost, the day in the church year where we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And there are different metaphors and descriptions that have been used over time to describe the Holy Spirit. But the one image in particular that I like the most is that of the wild goose. It's not an original image to me. It goes all the way back to Roman times and, and is an image that has been most adopted in Scottish Christianity. And the story goes that in 387 BC, the Gaelic Celts attacked the city of Rome. More than 30,000 Gaelic warriors overtook much of the city, driving the surviving citizens and the Roman soldiers to take refuge at the top of a hill. And the invading Gauls tried to overtake the hill at night. But a flock of geese, startled by the scent and sound of approaching fighters, began loud cackling, thus warning the sleeping Roman troops. The unexpected nature of the geese changed the outcome. This story was passed down and became an important story among the early saints because they could make the connection. This, this is what the Holy Spirit is like, a goose with a tendency to, to disrupt and to surprise. So I, as I have played this goose game, I have pondered what it means to have the Holy Spirit enter my life in the form of a wild goose. Have you ever tried to chase a wild goose? Or better yet, have you ever been chased by a goose? It will take you from one place to another, often with little input on our end. Now everyone is worried about what the future will look like. Will our congregation look the same when we return? Will my committee or council still have a purpose? Will my group still be able to meet or do our ministry? Will my family still want to come to church? On this Pentecost Sunday, what if we don't worry about what there isn't or what there might not be, but instead rejoice in the knowledge that we have a faithful God who desires to be with us and work in and through us? As we take steps in the coming months to come back together in person, it might begin to feel like the Holy Spirit is a wandering, troublesome goose going this way and going that way and that we are just following behind. But that's okay. 
Just as God called those disciples on Pentecost, so too does the Holy Spirit descend upon us, calling us to be his witnesses in all places and in all spaces, even if it might be confusing and it might feel like a wild goose chase. So our challenge as we go out on this Pentecost Sunday is to trust God, to live in to Christ, and to hold on to the Holy Spirit. And let's see where God will take us, where God is calling us to go together. Amen.